one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we delve into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community, find the saltiest stories we can find, and bring them back up and share them with you, our dear prospectors. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mike. Say hey, Mike. Hey, everybody. And we're also joined today by our guest co-host, Nick. What's up, Nick? Hey, Nick. Nice. So consistent. Yep. Every time. <laughs> keep the tradition alive at this point. You really do. Yeah, you really do. Hey, do you guys remember when Tony said that the musical wasn't going to disrupt his involvement with the podcast? <laughs> and then he's missed like four Classic weeks of episodes. Tony. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember the last time we played Magic with Tony? Because I, no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure we ever did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just gone. Pat and, and we misremembered it. Yeah. <laughs> we like typoed when we were filling out the spreadsheet. They're like, I think this was Tony on this, right? Yeah, on this game. <laughs> Poor Pat. <laughs> Just get uncredited. <laughs> but yeah, man, Tony, he is uh he's musicaling it right now. That's a phrase. Verbing. He's I verbing it. He's very he, peopled. He, either at this point or in the next couple weeks, there's gonna be a really interesting stray grains episode that comes out on our Patreon. That details how much of a shit show the musical is for Tony. <laughs> yeah. Has he been venting separately? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so we, we won't dive into nice. it now, but suffice to say, uh, I think he wishes that he was just playing magic with us on Tuesdays yeah. and, and being on the podcast more. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he'll be in many more musicals after this. Yeah. At least not right now. That Detroit suburb musical theater group, community musical theater, I'm sure is really top-notch stuff right there. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's like, you've like no idea. It's like crushing his poor little soul. Musical karaoke. <laughs> oh boy. I think we have, yeah. a, we have like a good 10 minute vent. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's going up. <laughs> it's a great plug to uh, subscribe to the Patreon, folks. It really is. Exactly. And if you were in the musical with Tony, tune in to hear what he says. <laughs> and you probably agree. So it's cool, you know? Yeah, I feel like if Tony told you about the podcast, you're probably one of the cool ones. Exactly. Yeah, you're probably on the level with how shitty it is. <laughs> Man, so what's new with you, Nick? How's your music uh... stuff going, dude? Uh, I've been slowing down a bit. I got really back into street photography again. So that's been oh, my yeah. focus as of late. Uh, but yeah, it's going well. Was just got back from vacation, as you guys know, but now I'm now I'm here. Love it. Back in the East Coast. Do you still have dreams of like doing part-time stuff and for your full-time job and like doing photography in the mornings and shit? I mean, I have dreams of it. <laughs> Whether or not that will be a reality. You have realities of it? Thing. No. Uh, I mean, I, I sneak out during my lunch breaks is my big thing because I'm downtown. Nice. So I'll go out during lunch and then meander for a while and then come back. That's great. So, good way to do it. And then out on the weekends too, usually walk like 
I don't know, four or five hours on Saturdays and Sundays. It's cool to see you and some of the other patrons talk about photography in our discord. And I'm just like, yep, those are cameras. And you guys are like, <laughs> oh, wow. So you have this thing on it. And I'm like, yeah, cameras. It's <laughs> great because it's like the experience that everyone else has watching you talk about Game Boys. It's like, I love I, I, there's something so soothing listening to people or reading people talk about something oh, they yeah, love definitely. that you just don't understand at all. Yeah, I mean, we like confirmed have listeners of this podcast that don't know how to play Magic the Gathering <laughs> and just like our banter. Mike's sister doesn't count. Come on. I, I think there hey, are others. Don't say there, that about her. She counts. There are definitely others. Yeah, she's a patron. She counts double. Fair. Fair. Um, but, but there are definitely others that just have like no idea. Like Tony's friend Aaron and... Uh, you know, other people, my friend, all two of them, yeah, all two of them <laughs> <laughs> who have direct relation with people on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say my friend, Maddie, who used to play magic and still kind of knows the rules a little bit, but doesn't really play, but that's also a person with a, a personal connection. So we are going to be delving into the salty minds. We got some salty stories cooked up for you today, and we're going to be uh, talking about salt today. Sweet. Yep. Nick, do you want to do you want to say the thing? Do you want to be Tony? No. But Sam, what's salt? <laughs> I do not want to be Tony. <laughs> Great question, Mike. <laughs> uh, salt is frustration in the game. It is when, you know, you get pub stomped. You're sitting down with your brand new casual pre-con and someone's like, I got something that's pre-con level and they're dropping fast mana. They're crushing you super fast. And, uh, you know, it's just an unpleasant game. Salt can also be something that other players at the table give you because they have, uh, you know, shitty <laughs> behaviors <laughs> that just like <laughs> bum you out in a major way. Um, yeah, salt exists in a lot of different ways. And we talk about it so we can help ourselves be less salty. It's cathartic. It is. Exactly. It really is cathartic. And a little bit of schadenfreude or whatever Ooh. however you say that word I think i'm convinced there's a german word for everything yeah i think there is i think there's a german word for that for being convinced there's a german mm. word for everything <laughs> i had one the other day that i'm pretty sure exists but it's the uh luckily discovering something that is inherently bad so mm. like something you, you by chance you discover something that's bad that's happening but it's good that you discovered it because it happened early enough you know what I mean? it's like mm. oh you you went in for an x-ray because you thought your arm was hurting and it's oh, cancer yeah. <laughs> but you got the cancer early there's probably a german word for that i'm sure dude that literally exactly happened to me the other day mm. so the other day we're recording a podcast and i come downstairs after we're done you know it's like 11 30 or close to midnight or something and it was on march 2nd i remember because my birthday was the next day and I'm coming downstairs and go on the first floor. I've still got some lights on down there. So I'm filling up my water bottle. I'm turning off lights. And I hear this like hissing sound. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it sounds kind of like, kind of like the hiss that a faucet gives when it's running, but like louder. And mm -hmm. it's coming from our first floor bathroom. I'm like, that's weird. So I go in the bathroom and I'm like snooping around and, you know, kind of hunting around. I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? And I think I'm like, oh man, I think it's coming from the basement. So I go down in the basement 
and I see like a puddle of water, like 20 feet wide, Oof. like slowly spreading around my water heater. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and the puddle, thankfully, was, you know, just like a skim of water, but yeah. it was spreading, right? Mm-hmm. Like perfectly caught it at the perfect moment. It probably opened up like 15 minutes prior. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit more. You got um, lucky. Got super lucky. So the hiss is because the the water heater is empty, but it's still like blasting as if it were full, like oh, blasting geez. the heat. Yeah. So the water that is trickling in is just getting immediately boiled off and like shooting up out of the vent on top of mm-hmm. the water heater and making this like horrible hissing sound. Oh no. So yeah. I'm like, okay, what the fuck do I do? Mom and dad, what's up, mom and dad? Help me. <laughs> 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 Thankfully, my parents are like, night owls now that they're both retired they stay up to like 2 and 3 a.m and send me cat memes all night nice wow what a treat to wake up to yeah it's the best (laughs) it is a treat actually i wake up to like three to four cat memes from both of my parents (laughs) like every day (laughs) that's great wow so i call them and they're like okay you got to call a plumber right now there are emergency 24-hour plumber services i'm like okay well like i'll figure that out I can do it. And then I also like send them a video of like, I take like a full video of the water heater so they can see what the fuck is going on. And I find a big old leak on the back. Mm. So I call the plumber. They're like, nah, we can't come. (laughs) And I call another one and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we can't either. And I'm like, motherfucker. So I have to figure out. probably better that way. If you can figure out how to shut the water off, at least get you to morning. So you're not paying like crazy money. True. Like I definitely would have saved money, but the next day was going to be one of the huge snowstorms. So I'm like, God damn it. Like we're about to, and I have forced hot water in my house. And a pregnant wife. And a pregnant wife. (laughs) So I'm like, damn, we're about to like have a very cold house potentially. A couple of YouTube videos later, I learned how to turn off a water heater safely (laughs) and do so. And then, you know, the, the water at that point, it wasn't so bad. I set up the dehumidifier. It was all dry by the next day. Oh, oh, and like call my parents back up. And I'm like, thanks, mom and dad. I think it's all set. I got a plumber coming in the morning. I was able to set something up that night for the next morning. And, you know, look at the clock. It's like 12.05. And I'm like, I guess it's my birthday. And they were like, <laughs> happy birthday, I guess. We'll call you in the morning. <laughs> it's like... Sweet. What a great way to turn 33. Yeah. And then, you know, went up to bed and uh yeah, had a fitful night's sleep, um, hoping that the house wasn't like burning down. YouTube tutorials wasn't. are the shit though, because there's always Dude. some like mildly southern accent guy who will teach you everything you need to know about how to fix the thing. I oh fixed my, my shower yeah. that way. Replace the valve in my shower off a YouTube video. YouTube is like the best for homeownership. Like the amount of <laughs> middle-aged dads that have free time on their hand and and are cool with having just like you know a thousand youtube subscribers and being like that's my peak right now like that's awesome (laughs) i'm glad that they're all just doing it and putting out the same video more or less because they're so good yeah uh very informative if you want peak youtube dad videos (laughs) essential craftsman on youtube is like one of my favorite youtube channels he's this like 60 year old like uh guy in like oregon 
and he was like a carpenter and a logger and he's just the nicest chillest dude and he just teaches you all about tools and it's just like oh i could listen to this guy talk forever because it's just so enjoyable i would definitely recommend i love that i will have to check that out um in a similar vein i've been getting super into like tool restoration videos if you guys ever are interested in like watching something kind of handy craftsmanship and then and they don't even talk either. It's like ASMR. It's just like the sound of like a, yeah, just like grinding something, and then the sound of like a, you know, like a sandblast uh, nozzle, just like, just like blasting the paint off something, and you're just like, oh man, like he really did restore that 1950s cheese cutter. <laughs> Have you started watching machinist videos yet? Because that's the next step down that rabbit hole. No, no, oh, I, man. I need to. Oh, people with people with lathes have a lot to say and they're also very enjoyable yep i I have seen i have seen some of those there's been some overlap where sometimes they're like should i restore this old bolt or should i just lathe one fresh out of a hunk of metal and you're like what you can do this (laughs) and they're like here we go i just made a tiny screw a tiny custom 1920 screw that they don't make anymore i also love the ones where it's like uh staying outside with only an axe and a fire starter in like oh, negative yeah. 30 degree weather. And it's like, Ooh, <laughs> but it's got the same thing. It's just like a video of like the sounds of someone's footsteps crunching through yep. dry leaves. And it's like, mm, that's nice, <laughs> man. There's this other one called like covert camping or something like mm-hmm. that. I forget the name, but it's this guy up in Canada and he basically does overnight camping in places you're not supposed to. So he'll, He'll go in like <laughs> he'll go in like a bush in the middle of a rotary or a roundabout, wherever you call it, depending on where you live, and just like scamper in there when there aren't any cars and set up a tent and just hang out there all night and and tape himself. And he always like drinks a beer that somebody sends him. Um <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I got this beer from so and so, and like has a weird little camp meal and just like chills. And it's very relaxing. Really, really cool stuff. Nice. You know what else is really relaxing and very, very cool stuff? Listening to salty Reddit posts about (laughs) Magic the Gathering. Let's get into it, guys. Our first story comes to us from Gmail. And the first thing I want to do is apologize to this listener because this has been sitting in our Gmail for a really long time. Oh, no. We we got this, like, last winter. uh, And it's just... It just hung around and I forgot to say it and um, got lost in our tracking sheet. So we're going to say it now. Oops. So thank you to Brennan for sending this one in. And the story goes, hey, guys, new to the podcast and really enjoying it. Well, I hope you're still listening to it, Brennan. <laughs> no, he's out now. He's like, those bastards didn't send me. It's, like, it's the, the Stan email. Me. <laughs> Dear Sam, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. <laughs> um, he goes on and says, I have a salty tale to share that I think is worth discussing. This all happened this past summer at Command Fest Montreal. It was my first experience playing EDH with strangers. I like to think my playgroup is pretty light on salt. So this one particular game I played at Command Fest has stuck with me for the sheer saltiness I saw firsthand. I think the event I was playing was an odd number because I ended up with only two others in my pod. That's usually where things go awry with a lot of these Mm. stories, three-player games. Mm -hmm. 
The commanders are not really relevant to the situation. What is relevant was that I was playing my janky Gerard Golgari Lich Lord plus Relentless Rats deck. You know, we love we a love, Relentless Rats deck. We love rats. The game was progressing and everyone was hitting their lands, building up their board, pretty salt-free. Well, that was until one of my opponents dropped a Tree of Perdition. The round passes. Neither I nor the other player drew any solutions or removal. The opponent with the tree on board gets to his turn and chooses the other player at the table to target. The player who went down to 13 is essentially a pillar of salt at this point and does everything in his power to bring down the tree owner. The opponent with the tree is going right back at him. It's a full-on blood feud. It goes back and forth until they're both under five life. I'd flown under the radar enough to set up myself to drain both opponents with Gerard and buffed up Relentless Rats. And that was game. I had won. Except it didn't really feel like I had won, since they were driven into mutual salt rage and just went after each other. My deck didn't perform really well. I didn't have any big plays. I was pretty much the third wheel to the Hatfields and the McCoys. Should I brush it off and consider a win a win, even as salt led to their mutually assured destruction? Thanks. Yeah, three-player games, man. That's yeah. the nature of the beast, is that if you get one person gets focused and then the other person retaliates and then the, the third person just gets to kind of sit there and, and watch. So I, yeah. I feel that, but also it, it, those are typically enough of a one-off that you just kind of let it go and it, and you got the win. So Hey, whatever, <laughs> count it. On the <laughs> Write board. it down. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I think three player games, either they generally either become a two on one or two people are duking it out. And one person just like swoops in. Like if you ever start a feud in a three player game, like that's the the person who's not in the feud is probably going to come out on top unless yeah. you yeah. totally overwhelm, you know? And they also have no reason to dissuade like the feud right. from happening. Like sometimes in a four player <laughs> yeah. game, one of the two non feuding players will start to like get in, an, in a lead. And then the other non feuding player will be like, guys, I need you to put it to rest right now. <laughs> yeah. and we got to deal with this. Right. Like, but we if need you to don't have that extra Tony. voice. <laughs> yeah. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. I think with three players, the other, the other one is that you kind of get the circular targeting too, which I think is probably the best way a three player game goes. Yeah. Where, it is. It stays pretty balanced, and everybody kind of re rebuts everybody else. But yeah. it definitely can lend itself to like one player is either so far ahead or so far isolated from the rest of the play. So, yeah, and those are sort of the only play patterns that a three-person game like just realistically can go from like a perspective of just those are the options. There, yeah. there aren't other things that can happen with four-player games. You have so many combinations of who can be in the lead, which players, how many, like who's on, who's targeting who at that point in the game. Whereas it just really is exponentially a simpler setup with just the three players. That's why you got to always play Pramicon so people can only attack to the right <laughs> or the left. Really make That's it true. even and fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to read Tree of Perdition because I feel like, you know, that's like the impetus for the salt here. Totally. So Some of these cards are cool. Tree of Perdition is a, um, it costs four mana, it's three and a black. It's a creature plant, and it is a 0-13. It has Defender, and it has a single activated ability. You tap the tree, and you exchange target opponent's life total with Tree of Perdition's toughness. So basically, you can like zap somebody down to 13 
life as soon as Tree of Perdition can untap. So, you know, obviously this was designed for <laughs> a 20 life format where it's like, wow, seven damage is pretty great when it's in a 40 life format. It like kind of fucks pretty hard. Don't forget the uh the wombo combo with Triskaidekaphobia. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point Nick where you like make someone's life 13 and then you're like sweet, now I can win with Triskaidekaphobia. I, I was joking. No one ever actually does that. That's I think you really... can though. That's You like... definitely can, but I don't think that's a a combo a lot of people include in their deck <laughs> unless it's a flavor win. The Vorthos players yeah. are are screaming at their radios I'm right sure. now. <laughs> <laughs> radios. At their AM radios. Yeah. It reminds me of a couple of Soren flavored effects mm. where he just sets people's life total to 10. Like I remember we had, oh, yeah. I had like not heard from some of my other magic playing buddies in a little while. And they had like just started getting back into commander and I like got on to, you know, build one of their first home built commander decks. Cause they'd just been playing with friends decks and stuff. And we were talking about stuff and they were like, and also Soren's effects should be banned. And I was like, whoa, 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 where did, where did this come from? There's a story here. It's that same thing though, like just getting your life total set to some number. It it actually does fit into one of the categories that the rules committee says is a reason they ban things, which is things that aren't designed for the format, yeah. that aren't designed yeah. for the multiplayer format or are too strong compared to what they're supposed to be doing. I will say I like never see Tree of Perdition pretty no. much ever no. i remember i think it was iconic masters and that was spoiled as one of the rares in the packs yeah and people were very mad because it's like a 20 cent rare it's like not like <laughs> it's just not a good value card so i'm i'm impressed that whoever this person was was running it in the first place i'm, I'm surprised to see it to be honest with you i think it was set at uh mythic at some point too yeah it's mythic, mythic. I think yeah it's mythic and jumpstart Jumpstart and Eldritch Moon. That's crazy. Or is that a... Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It, it's such a weird card. There is a guy in like my other magic play group. This guy, Nate. Shout out to Nate if you're listening. Uh, you salty bastard. Um, he's like the saltiest dude in that group. Always making salty decks and then also like getting really salty when people get salty about his decks. It's like this very funny loop. Anyways... He runs Tree Perdition in one of his decks specifically to piss people off. And surprise, <laughs> after he trees somebody, they kill him. Like, <laughs> they put all their resources into knocking him off the table. I think it's just one of those things where it's so tilting to be isolated like that and be like, okay, you, you lose 27 life. And you're like, great. Um, well, I'm going to lose now. And honestly, Tree gets hefty. Like if, yeah. if someone's at 40 life, you get a 0-40 it's Pretty not good. it's not quite on theme, but there's the one Orzov Angel Commander. Uh Selenia Dark Angel is a three white black flying, counts as an angel, pay two life, returns Selenia to its owner's hand. So there's builds of that deck that are built around uh exchanging life totals oh, because you can pay for Selenia's stack or Selenia's ability repeatedly on the stack to basically just drain your whole life total and then swap it with somebody so you mm. can like pay two life then pay two life then pay two life then pay two life and then after you've done like that you know payment like 38 what is it 16 times, times 18 times yeah math <laughs> times 
then you use something like a tree of perdition effect to exchange your life total with somebody else. And then they're at like two and then you ding them. Yeah. I think there's one, it's like pay in kind. I want to say where everybody's life total, either you exchange life totals or everybody's life total becomes the same. Um, but, but there's a bunch of effects like that in black. The other interesting thing is when your life total changes like that, it is considered life loss. So if you have like a, oh, Mike, what's that one mana creature that you love so goddamn much that lets you regain life? Children of Corliss. Children of Corliss. Is that yeah. a cleric, Mike? It yeah, is. it is a cleric. It is a cleric and it has sacrifice it. You gain life equal to the life you've lost this turn. So it's so funny if you have any life loss effect. Yeah. Like what was the Citadel? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many different things that you can do with it where you basically like drain your own life, exchange life totals, or, you know, even drain your life, do pay in kind. So everybody's life total becomes super low. And then you crack your children of Corliss and you're back up full and you're like, sweet. Now I'm fine. And everyone else is going <laughs> to <Yeah>. die. Like, <laughs> And if you want, you can maybe try and repeat that somehow with any reanimation and then just double, like go up to like 70. It's great. Oh, man. Yeah. With your stupid aura deck. <laughs> Tune into the Patreon episode where Mike talks about his aura and deck. And how stupid it is. To hear my like my, my rage come through. I have to like stop Mike a couple times and be like, I need to jump in here and just say that what you're doing is bullshit. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> I hate the, that the deck does this. Well, what do we think of result ratings on this one, guys? Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty measured. You know, a standard a standard serving of salt. Mm. I think, uh, you know, it is the nature of three player games to be somewhat imbalanced in the sense of who is targeting who. So fortunately, I think depending on, you know, your play group consistency and where you're playing, those are pretty rare. I will say like most people are playing four player, which is the way it, the format is really meant to be played. If you don't agree with that, fight me. <laughs> so I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think, you know, it sounds like it's memorable for this person specifically because they normally have a, a pretty salt-free existence, which is very nice for them. True. True. If this is the worst salt you're seeing, I'm I'm very happy for this player or any any player really. Cause that's like you're almost more of a witness to the salt in this case, right. too, you know? Yeah. You did have a bad experience, which is salty in itself, but at least the game actions weren't going poorly in your favor, you know? Right, you yeah. got to ride in on this salty wave and 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 take the win. That's not bad. I think sometimes those wins that feel hollow like that can feel a little bit salty. Sure. Not really salty, but you're just sort of like, eh, I didn't really do anything. Um, but yeah, that's just sort of the nature of three-player games. I think if you're doing a three-player game with friends, you sort of have to come to this agreement like, hey, it's going to be weird. Like when we do three-player games in our pod, we don't record them. Mm -hmm. we call them unsanctioned games and we're like, let's just roll with it. Something weird is probably going to happen with the dynamic. If you are playing a three person game and you're trying to win in like a tournament setting or an event setting, play into that. Like, you know, that dynamic is going to happen at some point where, you know, somebody is going to become the threat. Two people are probably going to gang up. So maybe you do a little bit of slow playing or, you know, try to look unassuming, but that dynamic is bound to happen. So you can kind of jump on it if you really want to. Yeah, I think I give this the salt rating here of being the girl on the Morton salt. 
Like this is this is who you want to be. You've got your own umbrella. You're not getting rained on. Things aren't too bad for you. You got a big old grin, but you're just kind of tossing some salt out behind you as you go, just like spreading it around. Yeah, there's a trail of salt behind you. Yep. Awesome. You guys want to jump to another? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's dive into our Patreon and Ooh. check out the Salt Council and get a story from there. This one comes to us from our buddy, Prime Speaker Florian. Sup, Florian? Um, and this is called Queen Making is Bullshit. And it goes, Ah, I never knew that I could become so salty over love. Today, I had a nice round of some sweet games with a couple. Quite balanced games, actually. But silly enough, they all would be after the same schematic. I became a problem. He tries to handle me while she tries to understand the situation and builds up her board. Then I overcome his assault and kill him. In dying, he made sure to give her as much advantage as possible. For example, sacking all of his creatures into a greater good to draw a massive amount of cards and not paying for her smothering tithe to give her like 20 odd treasures. Mm. Jeez, come on and just die and enjoy the show. He justified his <laughs> actions with, this is how I play Magic the Gathering. You kill me, I will do whatever I can to fuck you over. Woof. I took a sharp breath through my teeth and destroyed all artifacts and enchantments, smiling at him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of queen or king making. If you are a couple, even less. How do you feel about it? Yeah, that's tough. I will say no one ever pays smothering tithe, so I don't really blame you on that part. But... <laughs> <laughs> that is so true, dude. Like literally no one ever no one ever pays it. It does sound like the problem wasn't not paying for it. It was actively trying <laughs> oh, to trigger it as much as possible. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's tough. I'm glad that the story kind of starts with they were all pretty balanced games, you know, because like <laughs> yeah. as long as that's true, it's kind of hard to get around someone that's going to behave like this. Like it's less of something that you can address with that player. And it's more of something that you just can know that you're going to get in the experience if you choose to play with that player. And like, sometimes yeah. you'll want that and sometimes you won't. Well, it's funny because it sounds like this is a three player game also. <laughs> yeah, um, it does. It, but that's not really the source of the salt, but that dynamic might be there a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we stand by if you're going to hurt, negatively impact me i'm going to do everything i can to negatively impact you <laughs> so this is this is the question i have because i think there's two things at play and i'm curious to see what your guys thoughts are because it sounds like there's one aspect which is the the queen slash king making but the other one is just the straight up spite play yeah right? <laughs> and like which is like it, in your guys mind what is better or worse it seems like the the offending player here was kind of trying to spin it to be like no 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 i'm not king making i'm just being a dick because i'm spite playing and i'm yeah. curious to hear your thoughts on that i mean to me it's very different right even if the outcome is similar like if i let's say the three of us are playing and like mike screws me over right if i blow nice. up a bunch of stuff on <laughs> <laughs> If I blow up a stuff on Mike's board before I die, I feel totally justified, even <laughs> if the outcome is that now Mike is depowered a little bit and he loses and Nick wins. Mm. However, if I am like, I'm going to use my target player draws X spell to give Nick 20 cards before I die. Now I feel like I'm directly king making, even though the outcome is the same, but like the path there is very different. Right. Yeah, true. 
It's also one of those things where if they were going to just lie about why they did it, though, they probably would have said like, oh, I wanted to dig for an answer, you know? So I think I think there is some believability in like they truly just like to spite in however they can. But I don't yeah. know if it's different, if it's strictly like negatively impacting the person you want or positively impacting another player at the table. And I think in a three person game, it's kind of the same thing, but it would be really different in a four person game. Well, that's yeah. the thing, right? The the three versus four kind of matters a lot here because it, it then it becomes like, well, if you are going to king make, who are you choosing and why? And if you're just choosing your significant other because you like your significant other, then it's like, oh, you're just, you know, playing favorites here. Yeah. Versus like this other fourth player that may or may not exist and we have no context about. And mm -hmm. it, it makes a significant difference to be like, well, you could have chose them to give all this benefit to and you didn't. You chose this other player who happens to be somebody you have close relations with. And now it just <laughs> looks like you're king making again. <laughs> Close well, relations, huh? Close relations. <laughs> king making is a weird situation in a three-person game, too, because it's kind of unavoidable to some extent. Right. Like, just by playing, you know, just by virtue of playing, if I attack Nick and I don't attack Mike on a specific turn, I'm That's weakening king <laughs> Yeah, technically, I am That's weakening Mike play. And I'm not weakening Mike with that game decision, you know? <laughs> like, it or I do think this is sort of an over-the-top example of actual king-making in this totally. sense. Totally. Where yeah. it's like, well, I am I want them to have 20 fucking treasures, so I'm just going to draw even though I'm going to die. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just like a weird dynamic, especially with couples, like you said, Nick. Like that kind of stuff. We've talked about it before. There can be like backseat driving. There can be like favoritism at the table. Um, and that stuff, it's just kind of like hard to suss out because you can't really... You can't right. really have a direct impact on that. <laughs> it's it's so situational, right? Because it, it totally depends on the dynamic of the players. Because like it, oftentimes, or maybe not oftentimes, but in, in some cases, right, you have one player who is very much into magic and another, you know, their partner is just, you know, tagging along to play that game and they don't know yeah. the game. Other times, both players are very into it and they're very against each other when they play. And they're like, yeah. to, to the point earlier, right, they get very head to head. The blood feud. <laughs> like they have a blood feud between them because of all this other stuff going on. So like, oh man, each one of those is like its own unique little snowflake of a salty situation. <laughs> well, that was something that on our guest episode with the pay the one guys, that um sunny said about his wife rose where he was like when we play games we're homies we're we're not in a relationship anymore like we are <laughs> yeah. we are buds <laughs> right. and we're gonna play a game and then when the game is done she's my wife again and and you know we're all lovey-dovey but in the game i'm like fuck you dude you know <laughs> well the funny part was especially that that their version of being homies while playing the game was essentially being anything but homies, like <laughs> neck, like right after each other's throats. <laughs> Not friendly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I do love that though. <laughs> like sometimes when I get so salty, I will just throw whatever I have at somebody. Usually yeah. it's like, I mean, I think this is kind of like a setup where, this is very unique. Like someone has a greater good and a bunch of creatures to sack and someone else has a smothering tide. It's like, man, what a perfect storm to set up somebody for a win. <laughs> Usually true. when I'm getting knocked out, it's like, okay, I have one rock with my Togo that I can throw at the person who knocked <laughs> me out. And do I do two damage to their face out of total spite? Or do I like kill a mana dork, you know? 
or Gita. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> you kill an angel is what you do. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, what do you guys think about the salty score for this one? What's pretty your salt salty. rating? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty salty. It's up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the like the nuance but like if you're having to negotiate the nuance between what qualifies as a spite play versus what qualifies as king making <laughs> yeah in a game both of those options are high salt like those are both <laughs> top tier sodium right. levels yeah it's like do you you know do you want the soy sauce or do you want just like straight up uh seaweed paper or whatever <laughs> something else equally as umami in between the two yeah both yeah. a strong flavor yeah, it's it's choice between tamari sauce and soy sauce. It's mm, like this is Thank almost you. the exact same thing, uh, and the outcome is the same. But it's you know one is like gluten free, I guess. One is one is <laughs> mildly more palatable, and you're like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's hope it's that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, I think I'd be more happy with a spite play. I think I would yeah, too. Exactly. I I think it would just, it's like the, it's got the edge off of it a little bit. You put, you put a spite play on everything, but you yeah. don't want king making on everything. And, and I want to earn that spite play, you know, that speaks to like the fruit of my labor a little bit yeah, in a game. I worked hard for that spite play. <laughs> Versus someone just favoring another player, yep. you know, for some other reason. Right. <laughs> I, I agree completely. All right. Well, you guys want to uh, hit our third post here? Hell Let's yeah. Do it. Sweet. This one comes to us from the EDH subreddit, our home base. And this one comes to us from user Boarf2. Hmm. If you guys like, see user Is he Boarf half man, two, half dog? Like Boarfides nuts? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you beat me. That was better. <laughs> I, I was going with the Spaceballs reference. You just went straight up with the balls reference. Oh man. Just dumbing it down instead. I did. It definitely wins. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh yeah, it's it's like barf, but with an O in it as well. Boarf mm. two. Uh so if you guys see Boarf two on the EDH subreddit, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. And the post title is Is it your obligation to correct your opponent's play? No. Huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just wait. Your oblig obligation. Is it your obligation to correct your correct. opponent's play? Correct is a strong word. Well, let's okay. just see. Let's see. Let's just see. So the post says, as I was playing a few times ago, I figured that I was always telling people what to do, what triggers they had. And sometimes I noticed that I would give my opponents a win depending on their board state for a trigger they were about to miss. So a while ago, I decided to stop myself from doing that, and my opponent's cards were their responsibility and not mine, since when it was the other way around, nobody would correct me or tell me about my missed stuff. In your opinion, even if I know about a missed trigger or interaction with someone else's card, should I tell them, or should I just play my cards and let their problems be theirs? Interesting. It is interesting. I feel like the three of us have talked about this in depth before in person and i think we might have touched on this a little bit in another episode but i feel like it's a good one when yeah, you have totally. show. i think i think we've also shifted around on this a lot like i i know my opinion has moved around on this in the past well we talk about it a lot in the context of missed like like nick just whispered into the mic uh, Ristic study triggers and yeah. things like that especially in cdh because sometimes we're just fucking sleepy boys and we miss them <laughs> yeah 
I kind of have this mentality that in general, putting the trigger on the stack is a part of the game operating smoothly. And I think it's good form to, in general, help other players with triggers and stuff. And I include uh, Ristic in that. And for things like Smothering Tithe, I actually think like if if the onus is on some other player to pay something and that's the May ability of it, that if you don't say anything, you're just essentially giving the trick the treasure and that's like the default. And so I think uh I think it's overall good oh, form, so but I think in like a tournament <laughs> or if you're like aggressively trying to win and that's super, super important to you, I think it's okay to like not directly point out a May, but any version of like trying to play fast to get through something like that is a little bit is a little scummy. Yeah. So so some background here that I think is important because you don't think about it. The wording for smothering tithe and ristic study is very different in terms yeah. of whose trigger it is. Yeah. The wording on ristic study says whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays one. Yep. So you are in possession of the may trigger versus smothering tithe. Smothering Tithe says whenever an opponent draws a card, this player may pay two. If the player doesn't, you create a treasure token. So the onus is now on the opposing player rather than yourself. And yeah. so Mike, Sam, and I had a pretty, not heated, but a pretty deep conversation about like, you guys are wrong. <laughs> it was definitely a moment where we were like, like I was a little salty and we were all trying to remain like kind of level headed, yeah. <laughs> but also like clearly had emotions tied up in it. <laughs> well, what happened was Mike missed a bunch of fucking triggers. Yeah, it just played bad. And he was like, well, I think everyone should be responsible for the triggers. And yeah. we were like, yeah, but you should also definitely be on it. And we were yeah. like, yeah, but I think everyone, it's kind of everyone's responsibility. The one thing to point out, though, uh, to the to go back to the op really quick, I think this only really applies for May triggers. I think for like actual triggers that, need to go on the stack because they're required to go on the stack i think it's you should definitely call those out and like yeah uh, otherwise you're just playing the game incorrectly and, and like breaking the rules and like to some extent it's bound to happen like board states just get complicated and triggers get missed but i think like that is generally a shared responsibility across the table to say like hey this is a trigger that needs to go on the stack and it needs to be resolved properly versus the maze i think are a bit different and should be handled a little bit differently yeah uh, and and I agree with that generally too. It's interesting you say that, Nick, because I think like the point that we brought up on a previous episode was that everybody at the table should have their goal to play a clean game. And mm -hmm. that is to like honor triggers, honor priority, all that kind of stuff. Granted, you know, this is coming from a group that likes to play CDH. So yeah. I, I don't think we really gave as much of a shit about this stuff before we played CDH. Mm -hmm. And as we got deeper and deeper into CDH, we were taking these practices of very clean play and carrying them back into casual games too. Yeah. yeah and I think it's true. one of the best things that we've brought over from our CDH gameplay, honestly. Yeah, I really I appreciate it when we then go to sit down and play a casual game. Yep. I think for me, you know, it, it's just board state whether it's a smothering tithe trigger, a ristic study trigger, it's board state. Even if it's a may trigger, yeah. may triggers go on the stack and you choose as they resolve, you choose whether or not to use them, you know? So it's yeah. not like 
Like, I think a lot of people fall back on the like, well, it was a May trigger. So you don't fucking get it or you forgot it or whatever, you, you know, which to some extent is true. I think like right. if you get far enough away from a trigger, it's just kind of like, hey, tough shit. Yeah. But May triggers do go on the stack. It's not like you're choosing to put them on the stack or not. They go on the stack and as they resolve, you choose or you choose the effect. That is how those like if you work. were playing in a rules engine, you wouldn't have to like mm-hmm. remember to click the thing that you have yeah. a May trigger on when something happens. You know, it the rules engine would handle it for you. Right. So if you think of the gameplay group uh collectively running the rules engine, then you want to be putting those May triggers on the stack. But exactly. Uh and one if of Mike the main is a little you... sleepy or drunk, there's three other <laughs> engines. That are going to pick up on those rules. Well, so that goes to the next point, right? <laughs> which which you guys made that's really strong, which is everyone should realistically be responsible for their own triggers because opponents' board states get really complicated. Yeah. yeah. If you have thing. to own managing their board states too, that can be frustrating and kind of sucks. So you shouldn't have to do that. On the other hand, this post is more saying, I'm having no problem maintaining my opponent's board states like i know exactly (laughs) what triggers are going on and stuff and i'm just not gonna say anything about it yeah like that just means that your opponents maybe are worse at catching triggers than you so they're probably newer and they could probably use your help uh if anything like point out your own triggers a little bit more too and that can help sometimes like slow things down yeah I, i think there's a higher level point beyond just the the may versus shall triggers um which is like Especially in, I'm assuming this player is playing a casual setting versus yeah. CDH because I think it, it does differ quite a bit. But I, I think, you know, you have to balance it, right? Because you don't want, you want people to learn the game, but you also want people to learn the game, right? Like at a certain point, you yes. do have to kind of like <laughs> throw them in the deep end and be like, okay, I'm not going to play the game for you anymore. You have to like figure it out and you're going to mess up and people are going to exploit that uh, within the context of like still playing the game to the rules technically, right? Because there's like, I've been in situations where uh, we'll be playing a casual game and somebody will cast a spell and somebody will point out like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? This is on the board and people will take it back. Be like, oh, never mind. I I didn't see that. I'm going to do this instead. And like, I have various degrees of acceptability on that. If you've been playing for a long time and you're still doing that shit, mm -mm, not going to fly. I will not take that like that is a hundred percent on you like you get like maybe one take back during a game mm-hmm. and that's it if you continuously are like i'm gonna float this spell out and point it at this thing and then somebody else like oh are you really sure you want to do that it's going to get blown up immediately and i'm going to say never mind i'm going to point it at this thing instead that's that's not cool like uh, that's just not fun to play against it like throws off the balance for everybody else it becomes this very political thing if everybody's trying to like well you should look at that how about that look at that it's like no just pay attention to the freaking game so yeah i agree with you there i do also think that there's room for politics though like sometimes a spell goes on a stack and points at a target and the table can be like yo dude that's not the threat fucking hit the other thing and you know sometimes i think that's very valid but if someone is just not paying attention and they're just throwing shit out and it's like uh yeah you can target my thing but you're gonna have to sacrifice one of your creatures if you destroy my creature because i have this effect out in play right you know like that stuff starts to get kind of bullshit it's that idea of clean play like and and you know we're all here to have a fun game and and be casual and I think at some point, some people want it to be more of like a laid back board game where Mm -hmm. rules kind of 
come and go, things get forgotten, whatever. We're still having a good time. And for us, a good time involves clean play and mm-hmm. precise rules because we're all kind of rules guys, except for Tony. Um, <laughs> and, he abides. Yeah. <laughs> he abides. <laughs> so it is fun for us when the rules are like at their most efficient, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It kind of goes to like a rules enforcement level thing, like Ariel and like in competitive environments, you really are responsible for triggers in specific ways. And it's very written out, you know, who has to Mm. keep track of triggers, who's responsible if one gets missed, what you can do if certain ones that were, you know, mandatory triggers got missed, like how you roll the game around from that point. And I sort of feel like there's even in casual, like rule enforcement level, there's still either a gradient or a couple levels of it Mm -hmm. where one is we all know what we're doing and we're playing, a, I would call it a somewhat serious casual game where mm-hmm. we're all trying to play the game correctly. And, you know, maybe it's the first game of the day or a new deck or like there's something going on that are making people play in that way. But there's also like you're having a couple beers with some friends and yeah. you're joking around already anyway. And it becomes <laughs> funny to be like, Ooh, no, then never mind. I'll target this instead. Cause it's like, so what? and then one yeah. person who's now getting targeted is like, what? And everyone else is like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Don't worry about that. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can take that back. Like, we have so Fair many point. moments where <laughs> I feel like this has become like a, a motto for us lately, where someone will have like a really bad misplay in a casual game. And then we'll be like, yeah, well, it's casual, so I'll just take it back. And everyone's like, we didn't say you could take it back. And then the person's like, I'm just doing it anyways. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or or the other tried and true, like, I'm going to take this back. And then we're like, okay, that's fine. But you have to sacrifice three lands in yeah. order to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you win, we know it's because of this. Yeah, yeah we're putting <laughs> an asterisk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Caveat. So, I mean, this isn't like a super salty story, but how, how do you guys feel about this in general? Like when, when mistriggers are happening, does it get your salt up? I mean, how do you feel about it? Well, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to like, what were the other players perspective on this? Because I feel like uh, part of the reason op is posting this is because they're getting perhaps frustrated because the other players are not really doing their due diligence and yeah. picking up the slack. The, the counterpoint might be true, which is perhaps the other players are sick of this person pointing everything out and they're like, no, I got it. Let me do it. You know, trying to be more independent. So I don't know. It kind yeah, of cuts both it's a ways. Fine line. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely some salt here. It's hard to say where the, the kind of origin is though. Yeah. I think the level of salt here is determined by like how bad this player is feeling because no one else is helping them mm-hmm. with their triggers. Honestly, like yeah. that was, that's an important part of this post is like, no one helps me when I miss stuff, you know? And so if that's kind of a dynamic where you're feeling like it's imbalanced, then it honestly is kind of reasonable to stop pointing it out because like you can level set again and be like, fine, I'll just focus on my own triggers. You guys all focus on your own triggers too. Uh, So there's definitely some salt there, but I I also suspect that this, these are some new players and I think some of this will mellow out as they kind of mature in their magic greatness. Mature. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Um, I mean, I think when this kind of stuff happens to me, I don't really get salty. But again, I'm like a rules guy. I kind of enjoy helping people out in that way. And I don't yeah. always expect people to do that for me. <laughs> um, I will say I never, ever 
want to win a game because somebody missed a trigger that I knew about and I chose not to point out. I think yeah. that is like, I think that is akin to cheating, quite frankly. Uh, if someone has a win and and they just didn't trigger a trigger and then I win on my turn, I'm not going to feel good about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's that somehow sucks. different if it's like these series of small little missed triggers here and mm -hmm. there. Like that's, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take the value from that and say that I won on my own anyway. But like if it's one big thing, that does feel awful. Yeah. Like if someone has no library and they cast Thassa's Oracle, then they just pass turn. You're like, like, actually, you do win the game. <laughs> Guess I'll lose on my next turn when I draw into my empty deck. I'll I play, play a Thassa's that does nothing because I have no cards to look at on the top. Yeah, honestly, though, that person deserves to lose. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. If, you're, if you're running Thassa's Oracle and don't know how it works, you deserve to lose. <laughs> Guess I'll just put out a blocker, this sweet merfolk I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it also stems into the stuff that we fall to all the time like this week when we were playing sam had a win on board but he had to stack some triggers correctly and we were all just like desperately holding back just explaining how it works to him he was even like he started by being like okay i think i have the win but nobody tell me it was like don't tell me don't tell me i want to figure it out <laughs> and, Nick and i were like okay but oh, oh all right yeah. fine okay. nerd sniping nerd <laughs> yeah. sniping yeah, it is nerd sniping even nick was like like mike disconnected for a second just because spell tables bad sometimes and came back and, and and nick was like mike don't tell him don't tell him <laughs> and then like a minute later nick was like you could do it this way. Oh, God. <laughs> and then Back we were like, or this way or this way or yeah. this way. There were like three different lines. Yeah, I think that that situation, it was just like, I could have done it anyway, and it probably would have been fucking fine. <laughs> but like, it, it, it felt more foolproof after I started doing it than I thought it was. But uh, yeah, it yeah. was confusing me. I think my favorite instance of that was when we were playing CDH at Sam's house. And yes. uh, I was playing Elsha. And I just like had the win con, but didn't know how to execute it. And Sam just literally walked me step by step on how to yeah. It's like, this is what you do. Do this. Now this. Okay. Now here's the underworld breach combo. Like that's a great thing about that too. Is, is that combo specifically? We like was such a clear memory for our group that now if yeah. you're ever shady on a breach combo we're all like you just gotta know what it is exactly <laughs> we're yeah. not gonna yep. help <laughs> well when, when i first introduced like the first breach deck into the group i just like fell in love with the combo and then whenever anyone else would start a breach loop i'd be like salivating i'd be like oh my god <laughs> or if someone was building a cdh deck i'd be like you think you could fit a breach loop in there like <laughs> <laughs> I was just Please, so bro. intense on breach loops for so long. And now, now I don't even play a deck with breach loops. I got to change that. Yeah, Anywho. it is one of the craziest cards in the format. It's wild. Well, I think it might be that time of the week, guys. Is it, is it that time? I think so. What, what time is it? It's the time of the week where we say, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? Salty card? What? Mike? Who? Where? Well, Sam, the salty card oh, of the week. It's the salty card of the week. That's all I got. Nice. It's a little short one. Short, sweet, and to the salt. Short, Sam. sweet, hey. and to the song. Well, our salty card of the week this week is Elish Norn Grand Cenobite. Ooh, classic. Love. Truly a classic. Can you say it in its correct pronunciation, please? 
Is it not Cenobite? Well, I was going to say in the like, oh. however you do that Phyrexian pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, the, with the the clashes and the slashes yeah, the or whatever the sounds are. Yeah. I think it's pronounced Elish Nornussi. Oh, God. Cenobite. He did it. He fucking did it. He did it. The fans demand it. fans demand it. When we launched our shirt, when we launched our t-shirt <laughs> website, people were... You know, up in arms that we didn't have an Elish Nornessi shirt. Yeah, that's not <laughs> something I would wear in public. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even wear it in private. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> that's one of those playmats that you cringe at when you see it at the oh, cave store. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's one of the ones where they ask you to not play with yeah, the don't children come at the store. Right. They're like, don't, <laughs> don't pair them up with the kids. Literally, don't talk to me or my son ever again. Right? <laughs> yeah, quite literally. All right, tell us all about Elish Norn, so Mike. Elish Norn, it's a five and two white. So five white, white, seven mana for legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor. It has vigilance and other creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus two. So simple. It's a it. four seven. Love it. Yeah, I do love it. It's great. So on that note, <laughs> uh, Nick, how do you feel about uh, Elish Norn? I like it. I think it's a great card. Uh, it was one of the. I mean, I feel like times have shifted quite a bit. White has definitely regained a lot of power over the past couple of years, but there was mm-hmm. a time where White was like notably bad. Yeah, and Elish Norn was like one of the standout cards in white mm-hmm. in particular in the time where there was nothing else really to to show for it. So I, I think it's great. It's definitely very powerful. The negative two, negative two, like just keeps stuff off the board very cleanly. Yeah. Uh, and it makes it very hard to deal with. Personally, I don't have too much problem with it. I think uh, it's pretty fairly costed. It's seven mana or whatever. That's, that's up there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm at the point in my... Kind of EDH career, if you will, where seven mana cards need to be winning me the game or they're not going to stay in the deck. So I think that generally qualifies for Elish Norn. I think she's up there yeah. enough and a powerful enough effect that it's it's probably going to win me the game or at mm-hmm. least tilt the game significantly in my favor very quickly. Totally. Sam, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I love Elish Norn. I think it's a fantastic creature. It's a really powerful effect. Uh, you know, it's mommy quite frankly. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. It hurt to say that. No, it didn't. Um, I saw the smile. Yeah, I fucking love it. <laughs> no, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's one of those things where it is kind of a stacks effect, sort of. You know, it's not as staxy as some of the other Praetors out there. It doesn't make me as salty as, say, Vorinclex, which is like fucking crazy salt. I think that's in like the top five or 10 salty cards mm-hmm. uh, pretty consistently. Cause it's almost like a winter orb effect with Elish, you know, it's kind of in the middle for me. It's, it's super powerful. But again, like Nick said, it's seven mana pretty fairly costed for the effect and you're not going to lose everything when you play into it. But I love that it's a win con. Frankly, it's a win con in all levels of play. You can battle cruiser this out on turn seven, eight or nine and have like a pretty big effect on the board. Or, you know, it's even pretty good in CDH. Some decks do play Elish Norn because creatures are so low to the ground uh, in CDH that they just die. And it it can wipe out a bunch of stacks pieces. It can turn your stacks pieces into like pretty beefy beaters. 
So there is um, some really cool stuff I like there. I'm actually going to probably be putting Elish Norn into my Morath deck as a win. Yeah, combo. but that's just because you like that it combos with Living Plane. You exactly. sicko. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am a sicko. <laughs> and it does combo with Living Plane, which I love. And you kill everyone's lands. And then when they play a land, it just dies immediately as a state-based action, which is fucking hot. Also, Urborg and Cormispell uh, is another great way of doing that. Um, I also think that like there there is this CDH deck, the CDH build that I want to shout out, which is uh, Timna Sakashima. It's a Esper deck, and typically I think that's built right now as more of like an Adnaz deck with just like valued creatures, like a little bit farm, a little bit Adnaz. But there is also a stacks build of it. And then there's this sort of middle build that is a reanimator build. And one of the cool things you can do is uh, put an Elishnorn in your graveyard and reanimate it and then cast your Sakashima to have two Elishnorns. So all of your creatures get plus four, plus four, and all opposing creatures get minus four, minus four. And that is... That's a win con right there. Like it's super hard to play into. So I, I think it's a really versatile card. Got a ton of power. I mean, I, I pretty much got nothing but love for it. So it's interesting you bring up Vorinclux. I was just checking the checking the stats, and Mike, I don't want to blow up your spot. So feel free to cut this if uh, this is your thing. Oh, but, we have to guess. We're supposed to guess. Well, uh, this is a different number. This is not saltiest card number, but uh, just in terms of the number of decks each are in, because mm -hmm. you said Vorinclux, you think is more salty but it's actually in about a third of the decks that Elish Norn is in, which I think is really surprising. I would have expected that to be flipped. I would have expected Vorin Clux to be in way more things than, than Elish it Norn. It could be a situation where it's such a salty card that people stray away from it too. Mm, yeah, you know, like, I think, I think Elish is. has that effect where you're like, minus two, minus two. Okay, I get it. This creature, this this ruins me sometimes. Like sometimes I'm going to be super salty about it, but sometimes I'm just going to see it and accept it. And, you know, my creatures are nerfed. And I think that's kind of why we all reacted where we were like, oh, nice. It's like, ouch, you're going to be salty when yeah. you see it across the table. Yeah, but OK, I get it. It's an acceptable level of this for the table. There is like a sacredness to lands that does not exist for creatures. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you play Elish Norn. You're like, eh, yeah, my creatures, some of them are going to die. Oh, well, you know, I'm probably got board wiped already anyways. You, you get board wiped three or four times, you get frustrated. Uh, but if one of your lands gets blown up, you're like, <laughs> fuck you. you know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. But if you play Living Plan, you, you bastard. have it all. <laughs> I'm just going to play Yokel Hops because I love there you good go. Yokel Hops. <laughs> so, uh... You guessed the next part. What, uh, well, we, we didn't get you to think? you, Mike. What, what yeah, do you well, think? Well, that, that was sort of my pitch on it. You know, I, okay. I like it. I think it's, it's in terms of things that'll make you feel bad because it will make you feel bad when you see it. It's a fair one of it. It's still just a creature. You can still, you know, dies to Doomblade dot card. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's fine. And like, you know, your deck might not be able to handle it and you might just be kind of out of the game, but one of three people is going to have an answer for this and they can still draw cards. They can still cast their spells. They can still find something to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. And, and it usually does get dealt with at some point. So this one definitely hurts, but it's fine too. You deal with it. So where's this on the list of salty cards, Spike? Well, why don't you guys try to take a guess? Ooh, I think... 
69. Uh, 69. I was going to do that. (laughs) You can both guess 69. There's nothing nothing in the rules says you can't. Uh, I'm going to choose 42. Ooh, nice 420 classic. shout out oh, I was thinking one. more well, of uh, more hitchhikers yeah thank oh, you whatever. stoner <laughs> <For us. laughs> not anymore sci-fi nerds um, well you should <laughs> have both gone with 69 unfortunately because it is 65 so hey, nice but he went over and therefore by prices right rules I win so we're just straight Nailed up it. closeness though because <laughs> we're fine with a tie yeah so 65 Way, way higher than the other uh, Praetors, which we kind of, we kind of guess. It's higher right? than the, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry higher in number. So higher, less higher number, lower generally. on the list. Yeah. Like all the sense. other Praetors were like 10, 12, like way up there. Yeah, I think Urabrask yeah. is like two, right? Losing <laughs> haste is very horrible. <laughs> so bad. R.I.P. Urabrask is barely a fucking Praetor, man. Like <laughs> even in the even in the story too. Like yeah. I don't know if you guys have read the story, but like he's, yeah, just, he's just like just I'm doing my own thing. Fuck he's you like, guys. I don't really want to do that. Over here. <laughs> like man, it shows. I hope in... you got some shit cards. Did he like get the stuff from Kaldheim that made the World Tree possible though? No, he went to Capenna. That was um. Oh, that You're was Vorn Clex. Uh, Clex. Yeah, yeah, right. Never mind. He was in Capenna. Halo he was, just, halo he was, was just relevant. Sipping on that Caesarp. He was just sipping on that Halo Caesarp. Yeah, that's you know? that's relevant to all the Phyrexia stuff. I think yeah. storyline wise. Yeah. Well, that wraps up the salty card of the week. Sweet. Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, that was a lovely salty card of the week. Nick, thanks for helping us out today, man. Hey. <laughs> yeah, we really appreciate it, dude. It's awesome oh, to have yeah. you on. No problem. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast. If you want more Howling Salt Mine, join our Patreon. We have bonus Do episodes it. every month. We have stray grains that are coming out pretty much every week. We're like sprinkling those into your feed. Tune in. That's our short form show. If you want to represent the Howling Salt Mine brand, we got fucking merch now, everybody. We have a bonfire store. You can get a blue is a trash color for trash people shirt. You can get a Howling Salt Mine podcast logo short shirt, or you can get the borderless Howling Salt Mine logo shirt, which is uh, very sexy for nighttime stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even say it. <laughs> I couldn't even say it. Is that what you call it, Sam? Nighttime stuff? Let's do some night Close game. relations. Let's do some nighttime stuff and have close relations. <laughs> oh, man. This is the most mature podcast of all time. It really yeah, is. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we earn that explicit rating. Actually, we don't. We just swear. Um, yeah. Talk about nuts. If you guys have a salty story, send it to us. We love to read your salty stories on the show, your salty confessionals. You can send those to our Gmail, thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com, or you can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram. All of our socials are in our link tree, which are in the show notes. If you haven't given us a five-star review, that really does help increase the visibility of our podcast, helps people find it out in the wild and all that cool stuff. Also, something that's been super helpful lately is retweeting our stuff on Twitter. If you're a fan, just like give it a little bit of a boost and more people can find it. 
We seem to be getting some cool traction over Twitter, which has been a lot of fun. Give Sam that sweet, sweet hit of dopamine that he so <laughs> craves. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I do a bunch of really like stupid photoshops of cards every okay, once in the, a while. The, the Sam one was hilarious. <laughs> the Samwise, the Samwise Dino Nuggies one was <laughs> was pretty good. It took off in kind of a big way. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. So you know check that out <laughs> he's kind of a big deal guys i'm yeah. such a little deal i'm such a small deal but i would appreciate it <laughs> stroke his ego just a little bit no please don't please please <laughs> and of course this is such an unhinged ending to an episode perfect Nailed i it. can't keep it together uh and of course we have to shout out our amazing podcast artist jd burnett if you're ever in Nashville, north carolina Hit him up, get a tattoo. He's a really awesome guy and graced us with some fantastic art for the show. Thanks again, everybody. Stay salty and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the howling Mike, I just got um I just got a notification for Tony's susicle thing tonight at 9 p.m. Really? Yeah, because I guess it was it was on our calendar. It's funny because I don't get notifications for anything else on the calendar. And Tony must have <laughs> set this up and put a notification on it. And and I just got a text that says, uh, calendar, Tony in susicle at nine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am required to disclose per the Discord that I am not a permanent member of the podcast <laughs> crew. I am I am yeah. relegated to guest status. But yeah, that was super funny where Sugi time on our Patreon Discord was like, uh, wow, Nick misses a lot of episodes. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Nick is like a guest host. Do you think he's ghosting us on like 90% of the shows we do? That would be fucking crazy. <laughs> All I'm saying is I I'm think starting honored a guest. <laughs> I think you're in, in the honored guest yeah. spot though. Cool. You know, you're no, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to shit on any other guest. But... <laughs> Say it, Mike. Say it. <laughs> It will not. Oh, before so, we do though, I did look up the uh the German word for uh when you find something out like that and it's finding shit out. No way. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's that's I Googled bullshit. it. No way. <laughs> no way. You should have scryfalled it. That's false. I should have scryfalled it. That would have gotten me the answer so yeah, much I heard, quicker. I heard scryfall is a better search engine for everything except magic cards. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> Sometimes you just use Bing, you know. <laughs> yeah, you gotta use the new the new Bing using NordVPN, of course. Yeah, using NordVPN, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's hit it. <laughs>